Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland University. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Dennis Montecruces. Dennis, how are you? I am doing well. It's late in April, but we're not afraid to take on another tough topic today because we're joined by a community of students who uh, push us forward in excellence. Lainey is new to the group. Uh, she's here today helping to run a camera. We've also got Zach and Will Bryce and a freshman, Jordan, right here running the show. So glad you're all here in the studio with us. You know, Title IX has been around for 50 years. We're celebrating a 50-year phenomenon, which has been great for women's sports. Mm -hmm. In particular, we're, we're focus focusing on that, and I think it was one of the, I know it was one of the reasons it was founded initially. Right. You know, Title IX has been expanded more generally, and now there's a new proposal for Title IX. And part of this is not unexpected, Dennis, right? Because we have a shift in, the, in presidential leadership. Mm -hmm. if, if we go back to the, the former president, President Donald Trump, his administration disbanded some things around Title IX, made some changes that we'll talk about later. You know, this isn't unusual, and now a new administration with a new philosophy and ideology right. uh, comes in. But there are a couple of elements of what is being proposed, so it's not yet uh, finalized, but what's being proposed that have been particularly controversial. Help our listeners and watchers uh, understand what those changes are, and, and uh, we can talk about it a bit. Right. So. First of all, just the original Title IX just says this, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So that's the basic. That's great. I'm glad you read that. And you know, it's funny, that little three-letter word, sex, and the way it was understood in 1970 is very different from, right. from today. So that's the original reference, and there's no question that the primary driver there, as we talked about, was look at the preponderance of men's sports and mm -hmm. not just the sports. Look at the dollars that are spent right. toward men's sports programs, especially at the collegiate level, but, but others as well. You know, you've got girls playing on a dirt field and the guys have turf, whatever it happens to be. It, that needs to change. And boy, it did lead mm -hmm. to a, a much greater equilibrium. But it's not just about sports anymore. No, that's right. Yeah. So... I mean, sports is definitely part of the controversy that's yes. going on. I yes. mean, most famously, Leah Thomas, the uh, the swimmer. I think she well. That, I mm -hmm. think Thomas has graduated, um, but still, that, that's that's part of what we'll certainly be getting into. So there is that element to it. Uh, but there's also uh, what to do about cases of sexual harassment and accusations of sexual misconduct. Right. So the the standard, the legal standard, is as anything in the United States, that the, uh, the accused is innocent or presumed innocent until proven guilty. That's not the case for Title IX claims of, of sexual misconduct. It's it basically a preponderance, I mean, it's, no, it's uh, the preponderance um, standard. Right, preponderance right. of evidence. Remember, it was, you know, clear and convincing was right. the standard. Right. It was changed by the Trump administration to preponderance right. of evidence, but what we're now proposing... And now going back to going where back it was before. Clear so, and convincing. Right. So, so there's, there's that. There's also... Um, so, so the Trump administration, with Betsy DeVos, I think, spearheading the, the, the charges as the, uh, the Secretary of Education, uh, brought it more in line with, let's say, the legal standard. Because I think the, uh, the, the previous, the way that it had been working was that the, the accused didn't have the right to, to confront the accuser. Correct. No public have, confrontation. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even sure that they could, 
that they could have legal rep, uh, kind of a legal defense. I mean, it was basically it was up to the administration to decide based on kind of their their gut, right? One individual could kind of decide to assess the evidence and to carry out whatever the the sentence would be. Right. Nearly all Title IX groups on college campuses today have committees, right? So while maybe one person is the final arbiter, uh, it's a committee that generally does a review. But yes, you're, you're right. There's, there are, it is clearly something now that gives, and, and of course what people would say is it gives men and women, but particularly women who have often been loath to even come forward and say this has happened, it, it lowered the bar to right. encourage more women to come forward because even today, too many women don't report out when they've, they've had some sort of incident. Right. So, I mean, there, there's certainly a good, a good principle underlying it, but, I mean, there's also the issue of false accusations. So it's no harder. question. So, it, yep. yeah, I mean, you have problems on both sides. You do. And so DeVos under Trump was trying to, to kind of correct in the one direction, and the push is to go back to more or less the, the previous standard. So that's, that's one of the, the controversial aspects. And then, again, the sports aspect. Uh, and this, this, what's being proposed is kind of a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a bifurcation. So, right. so the thought is, well, prior to, to, to puberty, and really male puberty is the, the obvious worry, um, there doesn't seem to be any reason to, to think that there's going to be any kind of huge or maybe even any advantage to, to, uh, to being male, uh, to being born, you know, to being biologically male over, right. over a biological female. After that, there's, it, it, there's discretion that, that's given to a university. So they're forbidden from having a blanket uh, prohibition of having uh, transgender females participating in women's sports, uh, but they can have some sort of prohibition. And I think largely on an individual based on, basis, right? right. And, yep. and largely based on concern for for the the safety, safety physical safety, one. yes, of um, and fairness, of, of, right? Fairness of, of, is of, is listed, right? Mm -hmm. Of biological women, yes, right? Because I mean, if you just you know again look at pictures of you know uh, Leah Thomas compared to Riley Gaines, yes, who you know were transgender female versus a, a female biological female swimmer, they, and they tied in, in um, a national championship. I mean, you can see, I mean, he's uh, the, Thomas is just hulking, yes, over. Yes over Riley Gaines. I mean, physically, there's just no comparison. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, you know, really to Riley Gaines' tremendous credit that she was able to, to hold her own right. against, uh, against Thomas. Well, and you think about things like wrestling, right? Yeah, absolutely. T today, women's wrestling is a separate NC2A sport, but, you know, what would happen, you know, in, in areas like that? You know, but when you, this has been announced, matter of fact, I'm reading here from an article that uh, says that Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. She calls the proposal an attempt to destroy women's sports. What, what's Caitlin's uh, issue here? Right. Well, I take it again to be that the, the advantages, again, post-puberty um, advantages in particular, are just, they're just too great. I mean, so they are diminished somewhat by, by going through, through all of the, uh, the hormone therapy and so on. But just the, the muscle structure and, and all the rest that, that happens as a result of going through male puberty just gives a, an inordinate advantage, even if one is transitioning to, to becoming female as, as much as possible, biologically speaking. Right. Well, I'm thinking about the states that have already banned. Right. 20, I think. Yeah. So it's about 20. Yeah. yeah. I, I know sometimes I can't 
keep uh, the count going. I think South Carolina is a recent one where their governor, who generally tweets out whenever he signs a bill into legislation, he was pretty quiet about this hmm. one. He was asked about it, and he talked about fairness. And, you know, he said, we've got to make sure that boys and girls are an equal uh, playing field. And someone shouted out to him, do you mean biological boys? And he said, what other kind is there? So he was expressing at least a view for yeah. South Carolinians uh, that uh, you know we've talked about on this show, and so you know I I am grateful actually that there is this flexibility here. Uh, many of us who are here on college campuses are concerned about these issues. I will tell you that our our own great Midwest Athletic Conference are. President's Council and others have had lots of open discussions about this. How will we handle this if the NC2A would make this a requirement? You know, the NC2A is requiring a lot of things that we're, you know, at least asking questions about. They're going to require someone within the athletic department to be designated for diversity, equity, and inclusion, for instance, and that they may expand that to more than one person. And what the what is the outcome there? What what is the NCA pushing on college and colleges and universities rather than giving us the autonomy? Those are some of the concerns that we have. And I think one of the things that we've landed on is this idea of fairness. If you look at the NC2A and the way they were constructed and the four pillars that they talk about, fairness is among them. And when they now allowing you know trans men in particular to compete in these areas he they they have said we have clearly said that access supersedes fairness and i think that's where a lot of us are having difficulty because none of us deny that you know every student should have the ability to engage in athletic competition it's terrific so no one wants to be denied access but there isn't a critical mass of folks that could compete against one another. That's one of the things we've talked about right. and people are considering. So instead, we have this, this difficulty where we're admitting we're going to give people who have a physical advantage a right to access that would supersede fairness. And I, I think that's the one I just can't get past personally, Dennis, is when right. I think about that, if it's not fair. Right. And, and professional leagues, I mean, they're making statements exactly yes. in keeping with that. So the... Um, the body that's oversees professional track and field mm. has now said no. I mean, transgender women can't participate with with, uh, with biological women. Yeah, and I hate to use this example only because I'm talking about an animal now versus a person. So I, I, there's my proviso. But you know, not that we're big horse racing fans, but it's been the reality in horse racing for how long? You know that certain horses, every horse takes on a certain amount of weight, and they have to. And why is that? Well, it's for fairness' sake. Right. So the, 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 the deep belief that we have in fairness, why do we have weight divisions? You know, in boxing, right, sure. In boxing and or other sports. And, yeah, and, right. yeah, in other sports. It's because fairness, fairness that, you know, you're a noted chess player, right? So how do you make a chess game fair? You know, you're not going to take a beginner on every time and just, just begin the game that way. How do you level the playing field on a chessboard? Well, in terms of tournaments, you, you don't, but what you right. do is you have, you have class prizes. There you so... Go. Uh, if you only had, uh, if, if there were, there's only, let's say, first, second, third in a tournament available for prize money, then, well, grandmasters are not going to make any money because nobody's going to play with them. Right. So what they do is they have class prizes. So if you're rating, the higher the rating, the, the stronger the player. So if your rating is within a 200-point gap, you're, you're, or a 200-point range, those are the people you're competing with for, for your prize money. There you go. And, and so on. So that's, that's what, what's done there to try to, uh, I mean, it, I don't know if I would say exactly fairness, because I mean anyone in principle could become a, could work their way to become a grandmaster. Anyone? But, 
More, well, okay, but I mean, could certainly yeah. become very, very strong. Very strong, I mean, yeah, right. Um, but, but right, that's, that's a way to try to, to, to ensure that everyone has a chance to compete. Yes. And, and to compete in a way where they're not just getting, you know, crushed every game, where they're actually getting a chance to, to have a reasonable chance to, to win games and lose and, you know, to have a good fight. Well, I, as I say, you know, I appreciate the fact that the NC2A is working with the federal government here, and it feels like this is a, a fair compromise. It does give some flexibility here, so there is an opportunity for someone to say at an individual level, for this competition, this sport, uh, we're going to make an exception. So I, th I think that's an important next step. How this all you know, winds up is, is difficult. And maybe pivoting to this second issue, you know, as a university president, I, I'm not directly related to Title IX, but of course, we are very invested in ensuring that students are safe on mm -hmm. campus and students feel that they are never in a position where they're not being heard and that we are taking uh, accusations seriously, we're following these investigations carefully. And this has been a tough one as well because very often, most often, as a matter of fact, when there is sexual violence on a college campus, here's what happens. There's an incident and the incident is almost never reported immediately. Hmm. And so without that immediate reporting, every hour that someone waits to report an incident, it makes it much more difficult on the investigative front. So it's not at all unusual for someone to wait a day, a week, sometimes even longer. You know, there's a lot of evidence that indicates that both men and women, but especially women, can actually repress a memory like this and almost not think about it for, for weeks at a time. But what's difficult is once you wait a certain amount of period, the, the, the material evidence, as it were, can disappear. Right. And if you get the police involved, which you know, our first step is, if there's a crime that's been committed, we're going to involve, involve the police immediately to help ensure that, that fairness piece. But this is that really difficult side where you want someone to come forward to be able to feel free to say, Something's happened, and it was, it was horrible, it was wrong, and it has to be rectified. But at the same time, once you've been accused, as a matter of fact, without going into too much detail, I was very personally connected to at least one student who was accused and then later absolved, but he lost a position that he had. He had an internship that once the accusation became public, he was let go. And, you know, he feels as though his record has been besmirched forever. Mm -hmm. And he just said, you know, Dr. Campo, I... I know that employers, friends, others, they Google me, and even though if they really do a deep dive, they can see that I was absolved of all of these accusations, the reality is it continues to haunt me to this day. So I do think that we have to look at that carefully and, and find a balance there, never in a way that makes a woman or a man feel that they can't come forward, but also this idea of preponderance of evidence, which as you say is much more close to the legal standard, uh, to clear and convincing evidence. You know, these, these kinds of uh, thresholds are really important for us to continue to consider. So, you know, I, I do think that one of the last things I'd want to say about this, Dennis, is we, like lots of schools about our size, we're constrained just in terms of resources, right? We don't have the kind of expertise. You know, I would say that a school like University of Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm only calling them out because I know they have a lot of resources. Stanford, uh, University of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. You know, these are schools that probably have maybe 10 
maybe more people working in a Title IX office, probably more than one attorney, very experienced working in this regard. We just don't have that kind of expertise. So that's the other thing that is a conundrum that I would suggest that the federal government should be working toward as well. There's been a discussion of having something like a, a team that would be available to colleges and universities that are under-resourced, like, uh, like Ashland is, under-resourced, that could then look at uh, and, and uh, get the expertise that we would need from these other groups so that we can ensure that we're not making uh, decisions that aren't fully informed from a legal or investigative perspective. So uh, it, it's complicated, isn't it? And I think it's one of the things we, we often talk about on this show, how complicated life can be on a college campus. Sure. I mean, and obviously you, you know a lot more about this, at least from the, you know, the standpoint of having to worry about it than, than I do. Um, I, I wonder, too, about, let's say, the... I mean, what percent of, let's say, broadly harassment, you know, uh, uncomfortable workplace kind of things versus crimes? Mm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how does that kind of shake out? Because, I mean, in, so I'm, I'm thinking, so I mean, I've read, read people who have written on, on let's say, the topic of, of, of let's say, uh, I forget the, the exact term, but basically it's an unpleasant work environment. Yes. Um, and, and so let's say, Someone wants to ask someone out, but they think, well, if I ask them out, mm. that person might just say, hey, this is now, you know, I'm, I'm in that kind of negative work environment. Right. So it has all kinds of, you know, negative repercussions in this way where it's, at least that kind of thing is just an overreaction. I mean, it should be able to say, you know, thanks, you know, I'm not interested in dating you, or maybe I am, right? But, you know, you just kind of wait and see there. But that should be something that, as an adult, you can just kind of handle. And if the person can't take no for an answer, that's another story. Sure. But if it's just... You know, you don't even feel like you can have ordinary banter and conversations and make, you know, natural kind of relationships. So how much is that kind of thing versus right. the really serious stuff where crimes are going on? Sure. And isn't it hard? It really is, isn't it? It's, I think even on the show we, we had a, a discussion of this once before where someone was saying, you know, around the water cooler anymore, you're really careful about what you say mm -hmm. and how you, how you approach someone. And, and I know that... Uh, some young man was talking about the fact that it's, it's hard to, to date people these days because how do you begin the conversation without perhaps, you know, I, you know beginning some sort of toxic work environment that right. has now uh, made, made it, uh, we've stepped into a, a legal issue here. You know, I, I think this is so difficult because uh, the reality is we are in a time when it, people are sensitive and at the same time we, we don't know what deep emotions uh, anyone could bring, bring to a conversation, what may have happened in their past, and being respectful of their space and, and uh, their mindset as well. Here we are, uh, at the end but never at the end, uh, talking about these issues. But I do, I would even say to our listeners, this is not an unimportant uh, issue. 228,000 people commented during the comment period about Title mm -hmm. IX while it was open. There's going to be a 30-day comment period coming up. You should be a part of that, and I mean that sincerely. This is our Department of Education. These are rules that are made that we are funding. So uh, please be engaged. Uh, get your voice out there. Be heard on these important issues because we're going to be watching right here at Ashland University. We want uh, you to be watching as well. Dennis, thank you for a great semester. Thank you to our uh, young people working here as well. Have a great summer as well. We're wishing that for those who are listening to the Watchers of the Skies and watching here on AUTV20. Thank you for joining us. We're going to see you again in the fall here on the Watches of the Skies program.